You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 139, featuring special guest, actress, and singer-songwriter Ellery Ward. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? My name is Maggie Berra, and welcome to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Hey friends, it's Maggie. Thanks for joining me this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Today we have a very special guest and I have known this gal for some time now, ever since I started auditioning in New York City. I met her actually at a couple of auditions here and I love her. I think she's really, really awesome. She's a really cool gal and I want you all to know her and love her as much as I do. So this is Ellery Ward. She's an actor, singer, and musician, and songwriter who loves to bring her own perspective into whatever work is before her. She's originally from Chicago, and she studied musical theater at the Chicago Academy for the Arts as a high school student. And then she went on to study songwriting for a year at Berklee College of Music, only to transfer to the Boston Conservatory, where she graduated with a BFA in musical theater with an emphasis in songwriting. Since then, she has been forging her path in the theater, hitting the audition scene in New York City while making her own pop music, as well as transforming Sondheim songs into indie folk arrangements. Ellery's original music can be found anywhere you stream music, and her second EP will be out on June 18th, 2021. Meanwhile, her debut album as Souf Sand will be released on all streaming platforms on June 4th, 2021 through Ghostlight Records, which we will talk about in today's episode. Super, super exciting. And I can't wait for you all to hear her music. So without further ado, please sit back, relax and enjoy our chat. Ellery. Okay, let me just backtrack real quick because Ellery and I ran into each other just about every single day in New York. And it has been over a year since this has happened. So I'm very excited (laughs) to reunite. How are you? How you been holding up? I'm good. I feel like with this past year's uh, highs and many lows, (laughs) I can't help but be grateful, honestly, for this time in many ways, not only for the opportunities that have arisen from it, um, but it's just given me so much time to take a step back and take stock of how I was operating before. And now um, I've really connected with myself, who I am, uh, and embracing that. And now I'm like, I want to move forward from this uh, in a different way than how I was operating before. And I would not be in this headspace or this heart space if it weren't for, for this time. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. Yeah. 
Real well said. So Ellery, where did you grow? I don't know this. Where did you grow up? I grew up in ye old Burr Ridge, Illinois. <laughs> um, it's like the southwest suburbs of Chicago. I went to high school in the city of Chicago. Um, so like my whole, the four years of high school that I, I, I spent were like primarily all in my school. Like my, my teachers and my friends saw me more than my family did. Cause my, my school like started at eight 30, but because I had to like commute from the suburbs, I had to like leave at like 7am and then, um, regular school stopped at one twenty, and then arts was 1 30 to 4 30 oh, but then I was always in rehearsal for something so that went until like six something so I really didn't get home until like seven well you probably so did you start like theater pretty early on yeah then, yeah I really did it's like I I that this is why I always say it chose me like <laughs> I did not choose it <laughs> that's for sure um but when I was like three my sister and I would like make plays in our living room (laughs) and I would like be the star and she would like direct it (laughs) and like narrate and then um after years of that uh and also being in like music lessons as well um I turned to my mom and I was like I want to be in a real play and she was like uh okay, how do I make that happen? And I was like, I don't know, but I need it. (laughs) And then she like reached out to like my, like, you know, community, like children's art school, theater school. Um, And I like auditioned and got enrolled for voice lessons there. And Sound of Music was my first show ever. (laughs) And like, I (laughs) know, and I thought that I was the because I had seven parts being in the chorus <laughs> uh, yeah I was, I, I was like oh my god I have seven roles I'm I'm the most important person in this whole cast and I hated rehearsals they were like so unorganized and my type a heart couldn't deal even at eight years old <laughs> and so I told my mom like I never want to do this again this is awful and she's I like love how okay you, eight, you know <laughs> <laughs> I was like this we need a better stage manager <laughs> I was on stage with the lights and like the applause and I Aww. I I remember like being on stage and forgetting to sing because I was so overwhelmed by like the experience and I like from that moment on I was like I need to do this forever and so that night like in the car right home I was like mom I need to do it again and again and again she was like whoa 180 but okay do you remember your audition your college audition process because I imagine you probably chose pretty early on too that you wanted to go to college for musical theater well, this is actually kind of an interesting story. Um, So I went to an arts high school uh, because I knew I wanted to do musical theater. And so um, that was like such an in-depth education that I'm very grateful for and has formed me to this day. Um, And songwriting kind of was always on the back burner. I've been like writing music since I was five when I started piano. Um, and so when it came to deciding on college, I was 
I didn't know that Broadway was my aspiration yet. I just knew that I loved these different creative and performance-based things. Um, and so I was like, well, I just spent four years doing musical theater in a very like concentrated way. Like maybe I do something different. And so I thought I was gonna go, I applied to multiple liberal arts schools. Um, and then Berkeley College of Music. That was like it, <laughs> which is like the weirdest grouping of colleges ever. <laughs> but my, uh, yeah, it was my junior year leading into my senior year of high school, I did a summer theater program at BU and it changed my life as an actor. And it also made me fall in love with Boston. And I, I, I really believe that the environment that you are in uh, really affects you <laughs> and influences you. And so because I had fallen so in love with the city of Boston, I also was like looking at colleges um, here. That's where I am right now. Um, and so I was like, okay, like, Berkeley is an option because I I've never tapped into my songwriting side like full on before. Mm -hmm. And so I visited the school um, amidst all the other like random liberal art schools that I visited and Berkeley just felt like the right choice at that time. So that was it. Like I, I, you know, went all in and um, I went <laughs> And within my first, uh, I think, like month and a half of being there, first of all, I went from a high school where, like I said, the hours mm -hmm. were insane. I was constantly doing stuff. Um, and then I go to Berkeley where I had like two classes a day. Hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't. I can't be bored. Like if I am yeah. bored, I am unwell. <laughs> and so I was like enrolling myself in all these different like extracurricular things um and got involved in the musical theater stuff at Berkeley where there are like musical theater composers who need performers for their original work so I kind of volunteered to perform uh for this like musical theater composition class and I remember I was walking home from one of those rehearsals and I was like oh my god like I feel so great. Like this was the best part of my whole week. And like, right after I like said that in my head, I kind of like took a moment and let that sink in because uh, <laughs> being in a musical theater scenario and having that be the most fulfilling and amazing part of my entire week at a music school where I'm there to study songwriting was like, hmm, maybe I'm not in the right place. And that night, literally, I called my mom and I was like, I think I need to be somewhere else. And my parents were like, whatever you need to do in order to like be happy and be fulfilled is what, what you're going to do. And so I like, like a madman, uh, researched as many, you know, musical theater institutions as possible um, that kind of like fit my personality and my vibe and um, being literally across the street from Boston Conservatory. <laughs> uh, and I, I had a, a friend from high school um, at 
the conservatory at the time. So we met up for coffee and I asked her a million questions. And I was like, I think that this is just what it has to be. So I'm only going to apply here and I'm going to hope for the best. And fate is going to take me where I'm supposed to be. And I applied and I auditioned and I got in, thankfully, and it ended up being the most perfect thing. Like me at at that age, at 18, I was like, I need to pick the right school off the bat. I need to be happy where I am. And like, it's four years and like, that's it. And I kind of like freaked out when it wasn't that. Um, like I said, I'm just like so type A about things <laughs> that I was like, oh my God, this isn't in the plan. Like this isn't how it's supposed to be. Um, but it was supposed to be that way. Um, so like trusting that process and trusting my gut about where I was supposed to go at different times, because I was supposed to be at Berkeley for that year. It was amazing. And I I wouldn't change it for the world. And I learned so much and I made amazing lifelong connections and friendships that I wouldn't have if I had gone to Boco off the bat. And, and same thing where like, if I did go to Boco off the bat, I would have been in a different year with different people, you know, like the people I ended up in my grade with are my best friends, the people who understand me more than like, I look at the grade above me and I love so many of those people, but I can't imagine being in class with them because I, you know, (laughs) and so it just, I, anyone who is in that kind of situation of not knowing or like feeling like, you know, in one moment, but that changes, like it's allowed to change. You're allowed to be wherever you're meant to be at any given moment because that's your path and your journey. And it's it's not supposed to be like anyone else's. And it can look like anything as long as it feels right for you, you know? So yeah, it's been, it, it was a weird thing. And I was in college for five years, which like by the fifth year, I had like the biggest senioritis ever. <laughs> yeah I was like I can't read another play was your it. year was your year at Boston Conservatory the year that they did the virtual showcase so or yes no? and no so okay. the year before me was the year that they solely did virtual um and we're kind of like robbed of the in-person uh situation which like Yeah, I look back on that and I feel bad, like to the core of me that that happened to my wonderful friends um, who who should have had an in-person showcase that year. The other day I was thinking about that and about that. I remember like watching some of the videos from the showcase and and then I was like, wait, schools are literally doing this right now. So I know. And I, I also hear about like how casting directors like love that option. And I'm like. Okay, cool. So like we did, yeah, we did virtual as well as in person. So like we had both. Um, and like I didn't get 
any anything from a showcase so like talk whatever talk to me about it because I know you mentioned this you're also on TikTok everyone please go follow Ellery she is like a shining star on that app and so honest and authentic I'm in love you know I ask people a lot what's your transition like from college to the real world lots of people have senior showcases and stuff what was that like for you and you said you know you didn't get a lot of feedback how'd you go forth I mean I kind of used showcase as uh, a personal thing. It's like, I'm singing a song that I love in the way that I want to sing it. And if that happens to resonate with other people, that's cool. And if it doesn't, I really don't care. (laughs) I look back on those performances and I like literally had so much fun, more fun than I had like doing other performances, um, solely because of that concept. And I also was like, this is my class. Like we're all friends and we all love each other. Like this is more about this moment as a class than it is for me, like getting that contract that changes my life. Um, and I think that's why, like, I look on it so fondly, regardless of whatever the like agent outcome, uh, was for me. And I also have, uh, learned since then that there were agents in the audience who said really awesome things about me, but nothing came of it. And that's fine. It's like, I did work that was good. And like, that's what a performance is about. It isn't about like signing your like career away at the end of it. It's about the the art and the joy of it. And after that, I got to say, like, it didn't, totally get me down. <laughs> like I I felt so good about what I did that I didn't really care. And when I moved to the city, I I had already gotten my equity card from working at the Muni. Um so I I thankfully had that kind of helpful boost to get me in the room on my own. Um but yeah, I just showed up. I just really showed up. Once, once I moved to the city, it was like every audition ever I'm going to go to. And while I don't recommend that on a normal basis, I do recommend it for your first year. It's just so you can experience it and, and, and you can learn what is for you, what isn't for you, how things work. Like you just, you won't know how things work until you just go to every type of audition for every type of theater possible. Um, And on top of that, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to everything ever so I can see everyone ever and get to know each other because it's the casting directors that matter more than anybody because those are the people who are actually hiring you. And it it allowed me to introduce myself. I took my first year in New York as a, hey, hello, I am here and this is who I am and what I'm about. and. From here on out, you can learn more about me. Um, And that was a huge thing because if I didn't do that, I'm I'm not sure I would have the types of relationships that I have with certain casting directors or theaters um, that I do now, um, regardless of how much I've booked, because I truly have not booked much. Um, And that's fine. (laughs) Like, it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard feeling like you have a lot to offer, but uh, trusting others with that um, can be difficult. 
because it's like, oh, I know what I have, but like, will they see it? Will they get it? Right. And it's like, someone will, yeah. someone will get it. It's just, you just have to keep chipping away at it because everyone has their, their time. Like, it's just, it's so annoying to hear that, <laughs> but it's true. My first year was really just like going guns a blazing to every call, waking up really early for everything (laughs) and going to like multiple auditions a day Mm. and then after I went to like I think I had like 180 or something 180 auditions my first year um because I keep an audition journal and then I was like okay what worked what didn't work like for me um and then from there I kind of just have been like honing how to approach auditions not only in numbers, but in like what type of audition, what uh, types of projects, what like casting team is on the project, um, all of that jazz and kind of uh, creating my own model of what works for me and what I am like drawn to in terms of showing up and showing up as my best self to those auditions. Cause that matters more than anything. Um, like even if you show up and you are smiling and happy, uh, in the moment there is that, like, if you're so tired and it's, it's a season that, you know, you're not even right for, and you don't even it really shows. want to be there. Like yeah. that energy comes out in some way, whether or not you know it. And mm-hmm. so just like knowing those situations for yourself so that you can like show up to auditions where you're like genuinely excited to be there is all the difference in the world. Like I know when I look at a breakdown and I get this very specific feeling in my gut, I have to go because I know I'm right for this. And every time I have ever felt that way and showed up and done amazing work, I've gotten a call back because it's yeah. just it's you know intuitive. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think using your intuition as a guide for what auditions to show up to after you've kind of like built a base for yourself is the most important thing I've learned for sure. Share your thoughts here. I already know what they are, but I would like everyone else to know. (laughs) What are your thoughts on type? Okay. Well, um, let the people, let the people know. (laughs) Um, type to me Mm -hmm. isn't, is it's like a construct to me. It's not something that's actually real. I think it's something that creatives, quote unquote, creatives um, use as a way to kind of weed people out when they have a specific vision in mind. Um, I don't have a, a type, I would say, in the conventional sense. I think if you think of type as more of a, an energy or a, um, like something that makes you, you, and you can bring into a specific type of role that is more beneficial. Um, because I guess if we're going to use type as a, as a way to, um, define oneself, like my type would be, uh, like moody, like Dave Malloy, 
Aeneas Mitchell type. Is that all I can do? Absolutely not. Is that all anyone can, is your type the only thing anyone can do? Absolutely not. But if you can kind of find the thing that makes you the most like the most you in a way that people can hold hold on to and like grab on to then define that in your own way mm. and then share it in your own way like i know now that i do the best in rooms where i'm auditioning for probably like an actor musician type show because that is something that is definitely a, a definable like thing for me or like very ethereal or just a different take on a vocal style rather than like classic mt like that would be my my probably the pinnacle like let's say your quote-unquote type is a pyramid (laughs) you and you want to find the pinnacle the the tip top of your pyramid like i love that you find that thing and define it and hone it and make it like that most amazing thing that you can walk into a room with and then let them kind of chip away at that pyramid until they get to the very bottom and the base of it. Because then you you allow people into the world of who you are as a performer. And then once they're in, they're going to want to know more. But I think it's more so about like stepping into the room with like, the outfit that says who you are like at the party like when you walk into a party what outfit are you gonna wear when it's like I don't know anyone here but I want them to know who I am Mm -hmm. what outfit are you gonna wear you know (laughs) so metaphorically as a performer and like in your skill set what would that outfit look like Mm -hmm. and then go from there and then they can get to know you down the line you know Mm, I love that. So not only are you forging your own type, your own way through this musical theater industry, you also write your own music. You also have been writing music since you were young. You also emphasized in it in college. Um, and you have your own actual music out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like just, you know, casually, you know, whatever, it's fine. Um, and it's been really awesome over this past year seeing your work and seeing how it's like festering how the creativity is just sort of like flowing throughout you that during this time it's been really really cool so talk to me about your songwriting journey and what where we can find your stuff how we can get to know more of your stuff and where what we can expect um in the next coming weeks yeah so as a songwriter (laughs) It's honestly always been so funny uh, being in musical theater and being a songwriter, but not writing musicals. <laughs> that is a thing. And that is a-okay. Um, we are all multifaceted. And if you have a creative voice that is different than a different uh, another creative voice you might have, let it speak. Um, I ha- Yeah, when I started piano when I was five years old, I wrote my first composition called Springtime and I performed it. (laughs) I performed it at my like piano recital as like a special like bonus (laughs) performance because I wrote it. Uh, Yeah. So from then it's been downhill. Um, (laughs) So 
yeah, I've just been like weirdly writing my feelings out as songs since I was a child. Um, because I guess performing on a stage uh, in other ways, it wasn't enough. It wasn't uh, enough for you. You more. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So like, I've just been like writing these very like poppy songs my whole life. I have no idea why it comes out that way, but you don't have to know. Um, you just, <laughs> just accept it for what it is and let it grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like it wasn't until like, high school where I like really started like loving what I was writing and like kind of you know you're a teenager you're starting to like figure out how to express your feelings more and more um so it only made sense that I was learning how to write them in music form better and more um and so when it came to choosing Berkeley and like my experience there I wrote so much music my my freshman there freshman year there um and it was very different than anything I had experienced because I was learning new stuff like musically I was literally in like arranging classes and ear training classes that were teaching me like tools to use um in my music uh whether or not I was like fully aware of that I'm not sure but subconsciously it was kind of like finding its way out and so then when it came to my junior and senior year at Boco um they have emphases and one of them is songwriting so obviously I chose it and that really like put the put the nail in the coffin for me of like how much I resonate with songwriting and how much I love it And so last year I put out my debut EP of five songs that had been kind of like out in the ether for, for years. Um, And it really was for me. I was like, I songwrite and I make this pop music, but I don't have anything out there. And I just want to have something out there just for me. Like, I don't care if anyone listens to it. Um, so I did that <laughs> and it was, it was really kind of like cathartic um, and wonderful to have that out in the world. Um, and since then I've just like now gotten the bug of like releasing stuff. Uh, so last year I put out two more singles and then wrote a bunch of music through quarantine. And uh, amidst that I created my, Uh, upcoming EP, which is coming out June 18th. Um, And I also want to point out two of those songs are from like my college days, like they're years and years old, but I allowed myself to revisit them and make them new. And that is something that I've been playing with ever since I kind of just like allowed myself to do that and kind of had that click in my brain like oh just because these songs are old for me doesn't mean they are old like no one else has heard them um and even then like even if people have heard them they haven't heard them in the way that I'm about to make them um so that's been really fun for me to play around with um and these songs are they're way more like electro pop than uh my like my last endeavor my first EP was just like straight up drum set uh electric bass me on like keys and guitar um but this is this has beats it has synth bass it's 
totally what I want my music to have always sounded like, but I finally arrived and it's very gratifying and I can't wait for people to hear it. Um, but yeah, like it's been, it's been such a long winded journey in terms of my, um, (laughs) my songwriting career per se. Um, and I wouldn't say never when it comes to writing a musical (laughs) because anything can happen, but right now I'm enjoying just like letting it be my feelings as they are. Um, but yeah, (laughs) you're also a really big fan of Sondheim. So tell me a little bit about that project. Yeah. Uh, speaking of long winded, uh, this one is too. (laughs) I, uh, I, okay. So I think this story is so funny. I don't know if other people do, but, um, in 2019, I was in the midst of audition season in New York and you know it chips away at you (laughs) so I was using my dark sense of humor to get through it and every time I like saw a friend at at an EPA or whatever I probably said it to you (laughs) people would be like hey Ellery like how are you and I'd be like oh my god like so great every day a little death you know You did. I always loved your personality too, Ada, because I was the same way. I was like, yo, I'm not going to like put on some kind of like smile. No, no. Like I woke up at 4.30. How do you think I am? Okay. (laughs) Every day I do this and it's a little death, but like, I love it and I keep doing it. Uh So after saying that over and over for like weeks, I like constantly had that song stuck in my head and I was like, Jesus, I really got to just like get it out. So I guess I'll do a cover of it. <laughs> so I like came up with this like acoustic cover of Everyday mm-hmm. A Little Death, um, just like a little snippet and posted on Instagram. And my caption was Sufjan on Sondheim because Sufjan is my one of my like top top i like icons of music in my world um truly has influenced me in so many ways for years um and i was like this is very like carrie and lowell so i'm going to like make the caption a little funny um and people literally like loved it and i was like what (laughs) like this this is a joke (laughs) and then my friend harper was like please make this a series and i was like that's all you need to say to make me to keep going. Like, I'm, like I right, will do right. this. Right. <laughs> you don't have to go too far. Like, I'm going to do this. Right. And so literally the next day I posted um, my uh, uh, arrangement of Joanna Reprise hmm. to YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And everyone in my circle loved it. Um, it did really well (laughs) um but like you know in my own sphere type way like it wasn't going viral or anything it just was like oh my god all the people that I know really enjoy this so like okay um so I just kept going I just kept making more and there's I don't know Sondheim and and like the vibe of Sufjan like acoustic Sufjan just like goes Mm. so well that I was like the possibilities are endless like I'm just 
yeah, like I'm just going to keep making these because I enjoy it. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so then it wasn't until my uh, good friend Chloe was like, oh, you need to get on TikTok. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, no, like, I don't want to be that girl. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, no, 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 no. Like, you have to get a TikTok. And I was like, fine. So I caved and I got a TikTok (laughs) at the very end of January of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm indebted and grateful to my beautiful Chloe um, because I posted the Joanna reprise video. Like, I, I was new to TikTok, so I was like, I guess I'll just uh, like backlog the stuff that I already have out there, um, you know, to kind of give me a, a base of where to start. And posted Joanna Reprise, and I had never had anything reach more than like a couple thousand views. So the fact that it like went to like 40 or something, I don't know what it is now. Um, but so many people loved it and were like, oh my God, this is something I never knew I needed it, but like, I, I need it. And I was like, wait, there's like a whole audience and a, a group of people who like get what I do. Like mm-hmm. they get it and they like it and like, they want me to keep doing it. So like, <laughs> I guess I will. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just like continued posting all my Sufjan on Sondheim videos. Um, and more and more comments kept on being posted that were like, I need this on Spotify. Like, I need this on mm, Apple Music. Yeah. Like, please release this. And I was like, well, okay, <laughs> I will. So I literally just recorded 13 songs in my closet right there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, my friend Tom mixed and mastered them for me. Um and yeah, then I like reached out to Broadway World because I like really wanted them to write about it. Yes. Um, and they were like, yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they did. And then after the Broadway World article came out, um, uh, I got an email from the president of Ghostlight Records, <laughs> who is also the SVP at Warner Chapel Music, which is sometimes music publisher um literally just being like hey I have listened to your soup song stuff and like I love it and what can I do to help <laughs> I was like is this a real email that I just got? yeah is this spam what is this what is this? yeah like this can't wait what and like no it was real um and so I like freaked out before I like finally composed myself and like <laughs> drafted like a normal sounding email in response (laughs) um and then like it was just kind of like one thing leading to another that Mm. I ended up signing a distribution deal with Ghostlight Records um like what (laughs) I don't know wow that oh that's a real thing um but truly anything is possible that is possible (laughs) title of the episode anything is possible (laughs) But for real, oh my God. Like, yeah, so the album is coming out June 4th. Um, you can listen to Joanna Reprise anywhere. Uh, you stream music already. Um, and yeah, I just like will never stop preaching the fact that like whatever you're working on, whatever you ideas you have or things you've made but you haven't released or put out there, just do it. Like, just make the thing, uh, m- make the idea a real, a reality. 
put it out there, share it. It doesn't matter if two people view it. You don't know tomorrow, 20,000 people could view it. And you don't know who one of those people could be. Like, Mm -hmm. you just don't know who's watching. I mean, like this, I I am living proof of that. Mm -hmm. If I didn't put my work out there and advocate for that work, I wouldn't be in this situation. Mm -hmm. And it's literally just like, I enjoy doing this and I'm sharing it with the world. And in sharing it, I have been met with the same type of um, energetic like response. Like I'm putting my energy and my, my creativity out there. Like it will be met in some way, somehow at some time, it might not be today or tomorrow, but it could be years from now. And that's the thing that makes your life. Like I started this in 2019 and now two years later, this is happening. Like just don't stop. Don't give up. Just keep putting it out there because you just never know. You really never know. I I once was uh, coming out of an elevator at Pearl Studios and um, a casting director stopped me in the hallway and literally was like, hey, I saw one of your Susan videos. Um, and it was so cool. I oh had no God. idea that you did that. I didn't oh know that, that was something that you did or that you played guitar, like wow. you did that, you had that sound. And I was like, I, so That's now like that casting you. director, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like that casting director now knows that that is something that I'm capable of. So like mm-hmm. when it comes to shows that might have those things in it or like that sound, he'll think of me. Right. And he wouldn't have known that if I didn't just keep putting videos out. Right. So what, like truly, when I say you don't know who's watching, You don't know, but it could be someone who changes your life.